Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, welcome back to Indie Game Business Sessions. Before we get to our our next speaker, I want to give a sincere, heartfelt thanks to Dan, who has been so far this morning flying solo uh, because Charter Spectrum decided this will be a good day to do maintenance on our internet. And hopefully I'm back up now and we're going to stay up. But uh, big thank you. So next up, we have Andrew. And Andrew, I know I'm going to crucify your last name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, but Andrew is going to be talking us through, you know, the do's and don'ts of getting funding for your indie game. Uh, if you've got questions along the way, absolutely pop them in chat and we will answer them at the end. But for now, I'm going to pull up the slide deck and it's all you, Andrew. Well, thanks for having me. I love talking about these, uh, love talking about games, game development, and I'm very happy to share what I've learned. And so let's dive into some do's and don'ts for approaching uh, indie game funders. So first, who am I? I'm Andrew Charnetsky. Uh, fun fact, if you see a CZ, it's a CH sound. Uh, today, today, hopefully you learn. There you go. And uh, I'm a co-founder of Only by Midnight, which I founded with uh, my wife, Jennifer. Um, I also have 20 years experience in the video game industry. Um, I'm the lead developer for Curve Space, which we launched last year on PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X, Switch, pretty much anything that will run it. Um, I've shipped 18 titles as programmer and lead designer, including a series of series games for award-winning uh, VR crane simulators. And I've helped scale the team from one to 100. So I've seen everything on this space from the spare computer in my parents' basement to the three big studio uh, floors, uh, downtown office, and uh, everything in between. I'm also spent quite a bit of time thinking about how to raise capital to actually fund development at various levels. And uh, more recently for Only by Midnight here, I've raised a little over 325,000, including uh, through the Canadian Media Fund, Edmonton Screen Industries Office, and NRC IRAP. So what am I gonna be talking about? Well, I'm gonna talk a little bit about how applications work, some recommended approaches, how to craft your application, the uh, do's and don'ts from the title, skills needed, and then Q&A. And I'm, I'm really excited for your questions. Um, also, just as a note, this is a bit of a Canadian public funding perspective. I'm going to use like Canadian media fund and such as uh, examples. But generally, these apply to any sort of public programs as well as private programs. So this does apply to publishers, to uh, uh angel investment, uh, various investment funds. So a lot of the lessons are the same. And uh, if you have any specific questions about that, I'm, I'm happy to dig into that after. So the big one, how an application works. So the key, uh, the funder's purpose, why uh, people are funding things not just for pure altruism, they have a purpose, whether that's on the private side to ultimately make money or whether that's on a uh, public side because they want to stimulate employment or skills development in the sector. They want to stimulate R&D and reward R&D and uh, uh, kind of STEM in uh, in a particular sector. Or maybe they have a, a mandate to support marketing or uh, promote Canadian content worldwide, etc. Uh, maybe there's a program that's dedicated to uh, commercialization and localization of things. At the end of the day, a funder is going to give you money, not because you want money, but because they have some sort of reason. And you need to understand what that reason is and, and how to align with that. And uh, so what happens when your application is submitted? Um, a really important detail is someone is going to read it. There is going to be some human who is going to receive that document, whether that is a grant application, whether that is a pitch that you send in to a publisher, someone is going to read it. You really need to think about the human behind the screen. Uh, it's also good to understand um, what some of the processes, for example, like Canadian Media Fund has a analyst review and a jury process, depending on the pro uh, programs. And so considering who is going to read it is important. When will it be reviewed? 
not as soon as you like. Uh, any of these things, public, private, it takes a long period of time. So you send it in there and there will be some quiet before you get a response. And you may not even get that response, but generally there's a lag time. Uh, how do they decide who gets funding? Uh, depends program to program, but that's a, generally they have some sort of metric. Sometimes they're very open about that. For example, Canadian Media Fund, they have a scorecard system. They'll rate certain things by certain categories and then they'll compare numbers and that's who they ultimately decide. Other times it's a little bit more free form. Maybe it's on a publisher side where it's a, we have a specific series of games that we're looking for in our portfolio or we're looking to diversify in this area or have more of this. At, at the end of the day, they, they all have their metrics and understanding kind of who is doing that review? How are they considering that review? That kind of ties into the, how do they make that decision? Uh, when are funds released? Never as soon as you'd like. <laughs> uh, these things always take a substantial amount of time, but um, usually there's some clarity on the programs. For example, again, Canadian Media Fund, there's generally a timeline for when the intake is and when the responses are and, and when you get back from that. And the can I start before they decide uh, depends on the program. This is a big red flag on some of the grant type things because there are grant programs where you cannot start. Then there are other programs where uh, you can maybe back claim things up to a year. Or then there's, if it's more on the private side where it's the project you are working on, well, you've been working on it indefinitely and you want to, you can keep going on that and then you bring in, in, in money. But understanding that can be really important because especially on the grant side, you can run into some pretty big problems. But uh, so recommended approach. So first just research grant funding programs. There's lots of stuff out there. Uh, I can speak some to the Canadian Albertan perspective, but there's plenty. I imagine there's lots of really interesting stuff anywhere in the world, as well as on the private side. Um, once you've figured out what programs exist that are accessible to you, understand the hard funder requirements. So these are things like we are looking for something very explicitly that they say right there. And that's even on the private side, if you're looking to a publisher, that publisher specifically only does free to play mobile games they're probably not interested in your PC Souls-like or vice versa. Um, similarly, like if you're, here's a program where it's like, we're looking for Ontario studios, you're probably not going to get in there from Alberta or Venezuela. Um, understanding the soft funder objectives. This is where there's a lot of nuance. We're going to get into that. Understand how your project aligns to these objectives is key. You've got to plan your proposal, gather data in order to like really support your proposal and then write review edit. So now we're going to dig into those a little bit. So research these programs. What programs exist? And how can they help your specific business needs? So there's not going to be a lot of programs that are just sitting there with a, we want to give you money. Free money is not a thing. Free money doesn't exist, or at least not, not in, in my world, unfortunately. Um, but you'll be surprised at what's out there. And for Canada, especially on the public side, there's programs to support prototype development, R&D, uh, some of that can be applicable to games, even if it doesn't seem like it might be. Uh, there's programs to support production. Uh, if you have a prototype to maybe take that uh, to completion, to commercialization. Uh, there's programs out there for translation and international distribution. Uh, there's programs out there to help access specific markets. Um, and this is just on the public side. On the private side, there are all sorts of different funding options from private investment who like to support specific types of studios to publishers that are interested in supporting specific types of games. There's programs out there that help find a publisher, but kind of act like an agent. There's lots of different options, really understanding what you have access to and whether it's a good fit. And that really comes down to your, your business needs. So the other one is the really understand funder objectives. What are their needs? And, uh, uh, like starting with the hard eligibility requirements, review what's publicly available. Um, it's usually pretty obvious what they're they're asking for. Um, just a moment. Pardon the phone there. So it's usually pretty obvious what they're they're asking for. And it, like you look at something like, as I said, the Canadian Media Fund. If that's looking for a Canadian studio where seventy five percent of the funds are in Canada, uh, make sure that you have that. Uh, next up, 
the review uh, publicly available information. They'll tell you what they're looking for. And look at previously funded projects. That's a really big one. Um, a, it's great to see what success looks like. And it'll also, you can start to kind of look at the commonalities. Uh, for example, if you see a lot of projects that are all funded in, say, that half million dollar range, you're probably not going to do too well with a $50,000 application or a $5 million application. Um, similarly, the type of projects that they're looking for, the type of studios they're supporting. Um, another really good way to get in there, talk to past applicants. Like if someone called me up and goes, hey, what was your experience like with this program? I'm, I'm happy to share some of what I've learned. I've, there's lots of, lots of knowledge out there and uh, that can really help fill in some of the blanks. And what's even best is uh, when you can hear right from the horse's mouth, so to speak, talk to the funders directly if that's available with the Edmonton Screen Industries office who we did work for. Like I, I literally took Shay, their grant, uh, uh, grants person out to coffee and learned quite a bit about what they're looking for. At the end of the day, this all comes down to what does success look like? And if you know what success looks like, then it's possible to replicate that. And uh, a great example of this too, besides just public programs, like when we applied for Nintendo Switch with CurveSpace, uh, Nintendo actually shared with us, here is their example of an ideal pitch. And once you look at that, it's like, oh, I see what success looks like. I see what they're looking for. And that helped us articulate our project in a similar format. And that ultimately led to us getting a Nintendo Switch license. The more interesting one, though, are the soft objectives. The hard objectives of we want this, 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 and this, those, those are generally pretty easy. The soft objectives are the hard one. And especially once you're getting in or when you get into the public side of things. So, for example, if you have a public program that they might not even say it, but between the lines is looking to support skill development and employment in a sector in Canada, or maybe they're looking to support uh, diversification, uh, for example, like uh, gender parity, or they're looking to uh, support a particular size of, uh, uh, of company. Like maybe you have an incubator that's looking for a company that's established, but is wanting to go from that half million to five million sort of range. Um, understanding what they're trying to support. Because at the end of the day, they're not giving you free money. They're trying to make an impact in this space for some particular reason. And another big one is anyone who's got that money to invest, they want to have a transformative impact. They don't want to just throw their money onto a pile and burn it. Uh, they don't want to be a drop in the notion. They want that money to have value. And so if you have a program where it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? We are doing that sort of skills development side. We are kind of fitting that what that incubator is trying to stimulate. And if we did get that investment, that would allow us to uh, grow from X to Y. Well, now you're starting to have a potential pitch that would be worth sharing with these guys. Um, other sides, like if it's a program that's about innovation, well, what does what exactly do they mean by innovation? Uh, we've seen R&D programs where what they're really asking for is what technical uncertainty are you overcoming? And so making sure you're able to speak to something like that. We've also seen other programs where it's about risk mitigation. So what really matters to them in order to get this investment is, are you actually going to be able to complete this project? Are we going to be able to recoup? Um, and so understanding those sort of details is, is key. Uh, and once you understand those details, then you can understand how your project aligns. And so, for example, if we have a program out there that's about stimulating innovation, well, is your project innovative? Uh, can you communicate that? Would it be considered innovative from both like a layman and expert perspective? And when you're communicating it, though, can you communicate that in a way to layman? Like you don't want to just overload with technical jargon, but like, are you able to demonstrate that your project is innovative, has some technical uncertainty, feels innovative to both layman to an expert, has the right amount of jargon, and you can back up that claim? So under making sure you can articulate these sort of pieces in a way that's appropriate to the program. And then the other one is, and this is just general to anything public, private, whether this is a dry innovation grant or whether this is a uh, publisher that is all about like emotionally compelling games, consider still that there's that human who is reading this application and you want to make that pitch sticky, memorable. You want to, you want it to resonate with their mind. You, and so emotion, human appeal is, is, is good. And 
So consider how you can speak to that. If they're all about innovation, make that reader feel that your product is innovative. If it's about skill development in Canada, why is your product aligning to that? Why does it make them feel that like, yeah, you know what, this will build skills in Canada. Um, and similarly, like if you have a product that's or a, a part, potential partner where risk mitigation is important. Uh, for example, this is big on the private side. Make sure that reader knows that, yeah, this team's got it. This team has the experience to succeed. This team understands their strengths and weaknesses. And guess what? They've got a plan to address those weaknesses. This is all about convincing the reader that your project aligns. And if risk mitigation is important, convince the reader that your project is a safe investment. And that maps to anything that is one of those soft objectives. Same thing for the skill development. Um, show that your team is competent, qualified. Show that they have an opportunity to grow, that they've worked well together, that they complement each other. If looking for things on gender parity, don't be shy about that. Show that. Um, and uh, just an interesting thing on the showing things for some of this is, uh, uh, and this kind of applies more on the, the public side as well, but like show how your whole team gets valued, not just the shareholders. Um, show how, like, you don't want to just show this as a, hey, me as the founder is going to get rich, but if, especially if you're dealing with a program that's all about building skills, show how your team is really growing, getting value, and that this investment is going to be transformative for all of them. That's a story that is, they that's the type of project they want to support. And that's also like, that that's the message you want to have in here. Um, What's also interesting, though, for the project alignment is it's really careful to uh, go overboard and uh, we can show that, okay, this project is this, 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 but uh, if it does pull too far and you show too many hats, that can be, can be a bit of a risk. Um, the other big one, show how that investment is transformative. As I said, they don't want their investment to be wasted. They don't want it to be a drop in the bucket. Show why you need this funding but how this funding lets you achieve the project and how that funding specifically addresses kind of those soft objectives that they have. Um, for example, if it's about the skills development side, like, well, hey, that investment will allow us to hire these people in this sector. And by hiring those people, we're going to be able to achieve the project. And now you're starting to get a pitch that really speaks to that particular objective. And uh, a really interesting little subtle point in here, like, a lot of these programs have a sweet spot. So you might see some programs out there that are zero to a million dollars. But if pretty much everything they're funding is a quarter of a million dollars, um, it probably don't want to be asking for 10,000 because it's probably too much administrative overhead. They're probably not interested in that. Likewise, they're probably not too interested in the million dollar ones because uh, maybe that's they'd rather fund a large number as opposed to uh, one or two of these big whales. Now, you might have other projects where they, they're specifically looking for that big one. And you can really understand that by looking at some of the past successful applications. So just be aware that this is the idea of a funding sweet spot is a thing and uh, uh, making sure that you align to that. And just in terms of other stuff, as you're doing research into it and you're that alignment, consider other special considerations. Um, for example, um, you might have a above $50,000. It has to be a process one, but less than $50,000, it comes out of an analyst's discretionary uh, budget, in which case they might have slightly different rules that they can apply. Um, so understanding these things, doing that research, talking, and then figuring out how your project aligns, that's really the, uh, the heart of the pitch. So understanding your story, how will you speak to those funder requirements and objectives? Uh, literally list out those, <laughs> those key points, like understand, okay, they're looking for X. These are our key points, understanding the soft spots. This is where we're weak in alignment to those key points, but how we're going to mitigate that, how we're going to give comfort. Maybe they're looking for that team that's worked together. That's really a safe bet, but while well, half the team is new people, well, show why that's not an issue, convince them that that's not an issue, uh, and map this to the deliverables. Understand what your deliverables are. If this is a application that has five specific documents, well, how are you going to layer those key points into those documents? If this is a publisher pitch where you have a five-minute presentation and a slide deck to put together, 
how are you going to layer those into that? How, where is that information going to be in that uh, presentation, in that deck, in the follow-up material? And then a really, really big one, this has been just critical on like my own company here is consider bringing in outside help. So it's a, I can do a lot of the business stuff, understand what I want to make as a game, but I am not a, uh, a professional grant writer. So bringing in someone who can be like, okay, well, let's look at those programs. Let's consider the strategy, consider those key points. Um, super, super helpful. And a big shout out to uh, Deanna Douglas at uh, Campus Innovation Creative Group in Edmonton. Instrumental in helping us understand and how to really properly present our story for, for some of these successful applications. But you have other sides. For example, if you have a application that allows a free form, just PDFs, or this is on the private side where you have a pitch where you are presenting a slideshow to someone. Well, graphic design matters. If, 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 if you actually can control the font and the color and the layout and all these things, you want to make your presentation visually appealing, ideally memorable, something that allows that information to be consumed. So if, if you're delivering a PDF or if you have a PowerPoint to do, do not have that in just like Microsoft Word template to default PowerPoint template. It better look good. And if that's not your skill set, consider bringing in graphic design. Or the other side is if there's the monetary side, you have to put together a budget, which you really should do anyways. Uh, consider bringing in someone who can help on that project management or budget accounting side. And basically, make sure that your whole picture is as strong as it can be from the the, the story, how your project aligns to these key points, uh, how you are presenting it, um, any of the nuts and bolts like on the accounting, make sure that's as strong as it can be. And if you're not an expert in any of those, there's lots of help out there. Consider bringing that in. Uh, the other big one is objective data. Uh, they like having like real numbers. Uh, this goes on... <laughs> uh, public, especially private uh, investors, if you're going to an investor and going, hey, I want a million dollars. But if you can go, hey, I want a million dollars. These are the past three games that I've done. This is the type of traction we've received. This is how many followers. And oh, by the way, we currently have 10,000 wish lists. Yeah, now that's a slightly different story. And so showing those sort of numbers is is big. Uh, being able to understand anything that you have for past sales um, traction. In a pinch, you can kind of link to a comparable products, but be careful with that. I've, I've seen a few where it's kind of like, ah, we're going to do Dark Souls. Dark Souls has uh, made so much money, therefore we'll make so much money. And that's not how it works. But if you can kind of go, it's like, yeah, based on our past success and the scale of the project and these various things and the demonstrable demand in this uh, the space, this is why we feel this is a defensible business model. That's now a story that might actually uh, get some traction. Um, uh, if they ask for financials, make sure you have them. If they ask for a budget, make sure it's there and complete. And make sure that it's actually covering everything they're looking for. Uh, so, for example, if a program requires you to have very expensive insurance, well, consider putting that insurance in the budget. They will look for that. In fact, that's part of what they, they expect to help pay for that. So by having that insurance in the budget, you are demonstrating that, A, you understand there's a real cost to this and that you have the wherewithal in the business to actually do that properly. Um, if there's a legal requirement to that or you need accounting services, make sure that's in the budget. If they're dealing with uh, prorated hardware, make sure that's done as well. Like, And some of that can be a bit of a pain. But make sure that you have all the information that you need as part of this pitch and make sure that it's in the right format. And if you're not able to put this together because that's not your area of expertise, bring someone in to help out with that. And uh, gathering all of this stuff, putting it all together, this takes time. So do not leave that to the last minute. The uh, number of times I've seen applications where it's kind of like, okay, we spent all the time on the application. I need to submit it like tomorrow and let's start talking about the budget and disasters. So, but then you also have the effort of that writing and it, that takes time too. So depending on the program, if you're dealing with a program that has, say, a online portal, beware of those online forms. Um, I once spent an hour writing out this very detailed uh, <laughs> answer 
It was great. And then it timed out and I lost all of it. And that sucked. So if you do have an online form, make sure you write everything out, say in Word, and then just copy and paste that. And if you have an online form with a word count or word count suggestions, really pay attention to that uh, for two reasons. One, if they're asking for convince us that we should give you money in 5,000 words, well, your 6,000 word essay isn't going to work. The other one is if they are saying, we want to give you money, convince us in 5,000 words, and you write a 50 word sentence, probably also not what they're looking for. So if ever you're dealing with a program where there's a word count, that that's key. And also just on that, that applies to some of these other things. If you're dealing with a uh, meet to match uh, pitched slide deck sort of model where you have a five minute presentation, yeah, have a five minute presentation, rehearse that presentation, have it down to exactly five minutes. They're not going to want 10 seconds. And that 20 minute detailed deep dive into your company, you're going to get cut off at five minutes in. I've seen so many of those five minute presentations where someone starts like, I'm just going to play my game and half dev blog and talk about a bunch of this and it gets cut off. And they're like, oh, I didn't even get to the pitch. It's like, well, if there's a format requirement, very useful. Uh, and sometimes you have these hard formats where that 5,000 words in an online form, but a lot of the time, especially on the private side where things are, are opened up, it's free form. Well, leverage that. If you're delivering a PDF or you're delivering a slide deck, push that, make it visually appealing, make it memorable, make it interesting. Uh, even if you have the best words, consider that human behind the screen who is reading your application. We've heard from some people who've done reviews. It's like, yes, they have read 300 plus applications. This is probably the third, fourth, fifth application they're reading. And maybe at this point in the day, they just want to go for lunch or go home, right? So even if the words are good, make it easy, make it appealing. And uh, anything you can do on the graphic design, reduce that cognitive load, make it easy for them to digest what you're saying that will make your application stand out. It's not going to necessarily win a bad application, but it helps. And uh, when you start going to figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to present this, the other one, really have those key points listed out. Have that skeleton of what you need to speak to and um, hit things multiple times. If you have a critical point that they're looking for, don't just have it as a single one-off thought. Because that reviewer who might be just thinking about going home for the day, if they just miss that sentence, well, they've missed a key part of their pitch and they might reject you because of that. And that seems absolutely brutal, but that's unfortunately the way some of this stuff works. And so you want to reinforce it. You don't want to be overly repetitive, but you want to make sure that it's like, ah, if you're specifically looking for technical uncertainty, make sure that when someone reads this application, that they leave that going, yeah. This is about overcoming technical uncertainty and they got a plan. That's how you, that's that feel that you need to achieve. Once you have it all figured out, you've got this plan, you understand how, what you need to uh, speak to, how you're going to speak to it, uh, how you're going to present it. That's where you roll up your leaves, uh, sleeves and type. Um, but it's not just a matter of typing it out. That's literally only half the battle. Same thing like in video games, making the game is just half of it. It's also the marketing, getting it out there. So all right, you've now written an application. You've got that pitch down. And some of these things are substantial. If that's like a CMF application, this is a lot of documentation. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There's exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher dash list. Well, you need to review it. You need to go through. Do you speak to all of their requirements and objectives? Does everything fit the right word counts? Um, if they're looking for X, Y, and Z, do you speak to X, Y, and Z, right? Have you reviewed the content? Have you reviewed like the technical length? Have you reviewed the grammar, spelling, punctuation? Is this well-written? 
And uh, a key, key thing, you cannot review your own work. It is impossible. I have seen a 100% failure rate for that, including on my own stuff. You might be able to get it 95% of the way there, but you'd need that fresh set of eyes. You need someone to review it and figure some of these things out. And someone might be available to help with just basic copy editing and spell check and whatnot. But what you really want is someone who's able to review it from the point of view of strategy and grants and things. So having someone to go, hey, you've written these sort of applications before. Can you take a look at it? That's what you really want to find. Someone who can help you review and understand kind of the meat of it, not just kind of the surface level stuff. But at the bare minimum, you need that second set of eyes because there will be issues and you will be blind to them. Um, and there will be so many revisions. You will go through this over and over and over again. And it is a joy to actually see this thing get better. For some of our own applications, I remember we had that first draft. I thought it was solid. I'm really chuffed, feeling great. And then it comes back and this thing is just bleeding red. Things are like track changes. There's more track changes than unmodified text. And you're going through and you're like, yeah, that does make it better. And, oh, yeah. If we move that over here, that would be better. You're right. We, we didn't talk about that piece. And it gets better and you do that three or four times and that's now how you start to get a professional application and you consider this if you are writing a document or making a slide deck and basically sending this to some stranger out there through the internet with a take a look at this document something 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 give me a lot of money well you there's a lot of competition in that space and you want to make sure that your document covers all of these things, but does it professionally, is clean, is well-written. Because, you know, the guys you're going up against, theirs is. And, uh, yeah, lastly, um, just be careful with the online forms again. Um, if you have some means of sending something and uh, you don't want to send the wrong stuff, you want to make sure that it actually gets to the person who's going to review it. Because some programs can be a lot uh, more brutal than others. Um Crafting your application, review the guidelines, uh, review what they're trying to do. And an interesting thought on that is if your project is still fluid, well, you can align it to that objective. Uh, for example, on uh, the project we did with CMF, uh, we didn't meet the gender parity requirement. And that prompted us to like go through the Rolodex. And it's like, okay, who do we know that uh, that might apply and is also female? And that's frankly quite sexist but at the same time that aligns to the objectives and that inspired that was the best decision we possibly did on the project because like oh, you know what yeah amber might be free and she just knocked it out of the park and is such a perfect fit for us so if you can adjust the project great but stay honest uh you don't want to just kind of like okay we're gonna bullshit our project to fit what the application is it's like no you have your project you have your story but if, if there's a way to adjust it a little bit to better lean to the application that might not be a bad thing uh remember that your project needs to stand out that's that's key you're going up against however many that that reviewer has gone through that day that week that before like there's a lot of competition in the space so why does your stand out and especially why does your stand out in alignment with those funders objectives because it's not just a, wow, this is the coolest project I've seen all day. It's a, this is the coolest project I've seen all day and is exactly what I am looking for. Because that's what's going to get you that investment. Not just a cool project, not just a pretty application. Although both of those really help. Um, and then at the end of the day, you need to create a compelling story within the guidelines. You want to make sure that reader, that human who is going through that application, reads this and goes, yeah. This does cover all of those points. This is unique. This is sticky. This is memorable. Make them think. Make them kind of go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I can see that. And and you know what? This covers all of my objectives. That's that's what success looks like. So the do's do engage in research and uh, researching grants and programs. There's lots of stuff out there. You'll be surprised. Do ensure you meet the eligibility requirement. Otherwise, big waste of time. Do understand those soft requirements because that's really where the meat of this all comes down to. Do determine your time and resources before starting. Some of these applications are big efforts. There's an opportunity cost to it. Do get external advice. There are lots of people out there who can help you craft this application and uh, reaching out to them can be some of the best decisions you'll make on a business side. Do create a work plan. 
this is a whole project. All that project management stuff applies. The same to developing a game is to crafting a big application, whether for public funding or to a, an investor. Uh, do ensure that your text is consistent. Uh, that's that's key. Uh, mentioned earlier, all of that revisions, it's really easy to have stuff broken and any misalignment there can be really, really bad. Uh, do think about how your project fits to that program. And that applies on the private side as well. Is this game something that this publisher is interested in? Is this company something that that accelerator uh, wants to support? Is this uh, team something that this grant wants to support? Really consider how this project and what you're offering fits. And uh, at the end of the day, make that a compelling and memorable story. Make that person who's reading it, make it really, really stick in their brains. And then on the don't, don't underestimate the time it takes. It's going to take a lot of time. Don't assume you have all the answers in your head. You don't. You're going to have to look stuff up. You're going to have to think about it. Don't ignore the grant writing instructions, um, specifically on the grants, although some, uh, depending on if they have a, we have 5,000 words, make sure that it's less than 5,000 words. If we have a, this file needs to be named X, or this thing has to be less than 20 megabytes, make sure it's less than 20 megabytes. Um, don't assume that your reader already understands your project. Uh, that one I have seen so often where it's like, all right, well, we are making a this and I'm just going to talk about that. Well, if they don't get it, then they're lost. And that human behind the screen who's reading it, if they're lost, you're not getting that funding. But also uh, don't don't patronize. Uh, if you have 5,000 words, don't spend 4,000 of them trying to explain what a video game is. You need to find that right balance. And part of that is understanding what this program is. If it's a general angel investor, you might need to speak a little bit about why your business model really stands out. If this is a program that's specific to games, maybe there's a little bit higher level of minimum knowledge. So you, you want to find that right balance between uh, giving them everything they need to understand, but you, you don't really want to patronize. Um, and the other one is don't skip questions or deliverables. If they require a budget. That budget had better be in there where you're not getting funding. Uh, you got to have 100% coverage. And sometimes it's really easy. If you're dealing with 20, 30 documents, it's really easy to miss something. And the other one, don't bend the truth. <laughs> um, yeah, especially when we start talking about some of those objective numbers. If here is a sales plan or, uh, or sales data based on a previous product, yeah, that better be real. Uh, don't uh, be honest or that's going to bite you hard. So skills needed to apply for funding, whether this is public or private. Time and resources, it's gonna take time. Uh, project planning and follow through. Writing skills, like seriously, if unless you're an expert writer, get a good writer. Uh, words have power and like, yeah, uh, writing is critical. Um, and just think about it from this way. You're sending a document. And if someone reads this document, you get money. That means you have to get those words Perfect, right? So this isn't just a slap something together. You want to make sure that you've articulated all of these points, everything I've just talked about, and do that really, really efficiently in a way that the reader goes, yeah, I get it. That is really high-end writing. So get yourself a good writer unless that's your area of expertise. Do not just try and like bang out the writing to this. Uh, same thing on the visuals. If you have that opportunity to make this thing look pretty, make it look pretty because your competition all is. And uh, that make it stand out for the same. And if this isn't your area of expertise, get a graphic designer, get an artist who can really help that. And attention to detail. If you've got 25 documents and they've gone through 100 revisions each, they need to be consistent. And you don't want to have, because that reader's going to go through it once. And you don't want them to be derailed by what the heck is that? That simple little error there. Um, review, edit, proofread, repeat. It, you will go through this a number of times. And, uh, and if you're doing it right, it will be both painful, but it'll feel pretty good once it uh, once you get through it. And uh, knowing when and where to bring in external help or advice. If you've never done a big application before, ask for help. Uh, if you don't have that writing or graphic design experience, ask for help. If you don't quite understand how to approach a particular program or how to describe your business model towards investors, ask for help. And uh, at the end of the day, this is a business decision. Should I apply to some program? 
got to factor the opportunity cost, got to factor the effort, the resources you might need to bring in. What can you potentially get out of it? What are the pros and cons of uh, potentially receiving that funding? Because a lot of the time, it's not actually free money, although it's probably a lot better than you might get from your average bank. So what are the uh, what are the pros and cons, the cost benefit of this whole package? And then make that decision to actually go through and do it. So that is my, uh, my, my rant on applying for funding. Um, this is all the information that I wanted Andrew five years to know, uh, five years ago to know, and uh, hopefully I've managed to get some of that through. Uh, you can find uh, me at uh, curvespacegame.com. Check out Curvespace. We're on Twitter, uh, only by midnight. And if you're interested in any of this or like a follow-up discussion, I'm always happy to talk, and you can reach out to me directly at uh, at my Gmail there, andrew.charnetsky at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for watching. And if there's any questions, this would be the place to uh, to take questions now. Awesome. Thank you, Andrew. You, you couldn't see me, but I was chuckling in the background because a lot of the stuff that you mentioned right there, I'm like, yes, you absolutely have to do this. And, and you can't just assume that everybody's going to know exactly what you're talking about. And that whole thing about, you know, tr explaining what you're doing without going into 6,000 words on what a video game is. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of the times people that are reading these applications, even your submissions to publishers on occasion, aren't gamers. And so yep. that needs to be framed within some sort of context that they're gonna that they're gonna understand. Um, all right, so the, the first question, since you are one of our friends in the Great White North and our Canadian friends have so many grant opportunities, especially for developers in Canada, where do you go to find all the options? Uh, the So I knew about CMF. I didn't know about any of the other sort of opportunities out there. So when Jen and I found it only by midnight and it's kind of like, okay, we're entrepreneurs now. We're, we're, we're out <laughs> in the wild. Um, it's like, right. I, I worked with Deanna before at, at Sirius on some sort of grant stuff. Hey, Deanna, do you want to do lunch? And I learned about like, there's all sorts of interesting programs on like uh, international, like, especially on the international side, like there's programs to help take the cost off of going to trade shows or international travel. There's missions. You can be part of a mission to go to like uh, uh, Gamescom or something like that. There are programs out there on research and R&D, which may or may not be applicable, but there's some of these sort of pieces. So at the end of the day, there are experts in this space. And if you are not that expert, um, yeah, reach out to them. There are, even in the past year with the digital world, there are missions to digital conferences because we worked with Meet to Match on, on a couple of them, especially like Cologne. And we did a whole series of, of pitch sessions that, you know, various groups within Canada, you know, sponsored. Um, and, and I completely lost track. Oh, there's also uh, opportunities if you don't have an expert in your area. Some of the provinces offer grants to hire somebody, you know, externally to come in and, and do it as long as you train them on how to do it in the future and that sort of stuff. Um, but yes, that is finding them is always the hardest part. Um, so when they're looking at, you know, so, so, so say somebody's willing to fund up to half a million dollars and you said, you know, don't come in with $5,000 because it's probably not worth their time. At the same time, you don't want to come in at 500,000 or 499,999. Is there a soft spot in there that you've seen? Uh, it depends on the program and take a look at the past funding ones and it'll be fairly obvious. Uh, so like um, you can see for Canadian Media Fund specifically, uh, all the previous uh, fundies are listed and you can take a look at that and it'll tell you the amounts and so it's a there's not many thousand dollar <laughs> uh applications on there just because of the scale of the program and you could even talk uh directly like um uh, for example if edmonton screen uh industries office talk to them what are they looking for um or if you have a publisher out there like you could you could talk to this and like it says up to five hundred thousand. what are what are you guys really looking for and uh 
so so there's there is kind of that sweet spot. You might find a couple of cases where there's sort of a double sweet spot where there's kind of the, it's like, okay, the more junior projects we're looking at the $50,000 is kind of what our tolerance is. And the more senior projects we got, we take two or three at the quarter million dollar sort of range. But like at the end of the day, it varies by program, but understanding what that is, is, is key because they might say up to half a million dollars, but if they're expecting a hundred thousand dollars, your half million one is probably not going to fly. Likewise, if they say up to $500,000, but that's exactly what they're expecting. And all of their previous applications are uh, 495 or up. Well, you probably want to be actually 495. So so we got a question from YouTube here. Can you ask for funds before making a minimum viable product, like with a gameplay or without gameplay or a demo? Is concept art enough? to be a source for funds? Depends on the program. Uh, to your average game publisher, probably not. Um, the first thing any publisher has ever asked me is like, great, where's the build? <laughs> so uh, publishers, probably not. Uh, investors, also probably not. Although there's a little bit more play in there. Uh, you need a huge track record. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you have a huge track record, uh, maybe. But like, like private can be very hard for that. Public is more forgiving depending on the program. So, for example, with Canadian Media Fund, they have conceptualization, prototyping, and production. Conceptualization is we want a little bit of money so we can, like, hire an artist and figure out, like, this initial pre-production thing. Yeah, they want an idea. They're, you don't want to show a final product at, at conceptualization, right? Likewise, for production funding, um, if you don't have a viable prototype, it, it, it's not going to be considered. So uh, it, it depends on the program. And there are some good ones. I know uh, ESIO, Edmonton Screen Industries Office, they have some early stage, like here's a little bit of money to help you flesh out an idea. Um, I've seen some accelerator sort of things out there where you have that initial idea. They want to help you refine that idea. So those exist, but uh, they're, they're usually pretty clear about whether they, they support that sort of thing or not. And again, I stand by my long time, you know, belief that I can move to Canada, open a studio and never spend a dime that you do if you find the right funding and the right grants for everything that's my theory that's that's uh, what, what i've been working on for like 10 years as, um, as a canadian studio i would actually say that's not the case so I like, know it's not really the case but compared to the u.s you all have so many more opportunities for funding that it's just it's it's, it's laughable and, and there, that, there, I, there are lots and and let me I, I feel quite patriotic that something like Canadian Media Fund exists in the same way that I feel patriotic that our healthcare system exists. Ha! But um, I do think the, it's not, a lot of people go, it's free money. It's just a grant. It's not a grant. Like technically it's a forgivable advance. So that's great because there's a lot of risk being taken up there. You are not going to get a quarter million dollar forgivable loan from a bank. Not going to happen. So the fact that I can access that sort of capital without having to put my, my house on the line is is amazing, but you will be paying it back. They are they are interested in recruitment. This is a, an investment pitch, uh, not a not free money. And similarly, like with Canadian Media Fund, they require you to bring twenty five percent. So if you're asking for a million dollars, how are you bringing a quarter of a million dollars to it? And there's lots of different options for that, but like that's that's not trivial. Uh, and and so there's there there's a lot of nuance in that statement. I've heard that a few times. It's like oh, Canada has all these grants. It's like well. Very few of them are actually grants. <laughs> so it's it's not free money if you have to give it back. Uh, along this line, Nightlake Studios says, you know, I have a game of development that I believe fits very well into the educational space, but he's located in the U.S. Do you happen to be familiar with any public funding resources in that arena? I don't know anything directly in the U.S., but I would imagine that there's probably a lot that are surprising, especially as you start getting out of pure entertainment. A lot of programs that I have heard of are like on industry training because that was my my background before uh, the entertainment games. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some cool opportunities out there. Uh, best I'd say is reach out to someone who spe specializes in that area. Basically, your equivalent of like Deanna who can speak to, oh, here are the sort of programs that are available to you. So Nightlake Studios, being in the States myself, I can tell you that you, yes, you either need to find somebody like, like Deanna, but it's all going to be at the state level. There's no federal, there, we don't have a version of the CMF here in, in the U.S. God, I wish we did. Um, you need to check the state level. I know 
Louisiana and Georgia both have some good, you know, incentives for game development. North Carolina just did one for esports that I saw in the news. But yeah, you got to check at the state level, and that way you'll find the ones that are that are good. Um, all right, from June Tales from Cyberspace on YouTube. Uh, thanks a lot for the advice, Andrew. For the grants that you have managed to win, did you get in touch with the institution before submitting your project, or did you just send it in? Uh, with IRAP, um, I sat down with the local uh, rep, and we talked a little bit about what the program is and what the technical uncertainty. And that was actually a really good idea because we were he was very skeptical. They don't really like, they like business to business. And so actually showing him the type of research that like our crazy topological 2D shooter physics thing ended up putting together. He was like, actually, you know what? There is some defensible uh, R&D here and maybe maybe we can support that. So that was really good um, with the Edmonton Screen Industries office. Uh, like we literally sat down with them and, and, and learned about what they're looking for. And that was that was huge because we weren't sure what uh, what sort of options. Now, Canadian Media Fund on the other side is is that black box. And so they tell you a lot of stuff that's out there. Uh, we did talk to a number of uh, previous, like my peers who've applied, some successfully, some not, and they do give feedback. So there were, there's some interesting commonalities uh, there, um, but we weren't able to, to speak to them directly. Um, on the investment side, every piece of investment I've ever seen, including the publishing deal we got with CurveSpace, um, that always has quite a bit of discussion. Now, with the, the publishing side, that was a pitch first, then discussion. But uh, I've, I've seen other cases where like you talk to people and one thing leads to another and eventually you do do a pitch. So it, it, it's all over the map, but uh, hopefully that, that gives some context. I'd basically say if, it's avail if they're available to talk to, talk to them. Otherwise, talk to someone who's worked with them before. And there are, I know for a fact, I'm not going to call them out here, but there are multiple people and studios on our Discord server who have had successful fundings through CMF and, and other groups. And so it's one of those that if you ask, you know, on the server, you will probably get some responses. Um, but there's a lot of resources and that's why, you know, I recommend exactly what Andrew said. Don't go into it blind, do a little bit of research, talk to people who have funded, talk to people who didn't get funded. You know, yep. what, what did these things look like? Um, the CMF is nice, though, because you can go. I mean, it's all public. And so you can go and see exactly who got funding and, and who didn't. And so and how much it was. And as an American, that part just like staggers me. I'm like, what, you just like print how many people got money and what the money they got. That's absolutely crazy. Um, and, and keep in mind, too, when we're talking about perfecting that pitch, uh, Kimberly is actually in about an hour going to do one of her live pitch sessions, but every Thursday on the discord server, she does live pitch deck sessions and she will take pitch decks from people, you know, in there and go through them and give feedback on them live. You can show up with your own deck and have her go through it, or you can just sit there and listen to, you know, the feedback she gives everybody else. But I, I agree, dude. It is very much about making sure that you've got it all down pat and you can't proofread your own stuff. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> this, this is coming from an English major who has written more papers than anyone should probably ever have to do. No, you can't because you just start assuming people know stuff. And it's you need to give it to someone who, you know, isn't familiar with it and let them go through it and punch holes in it. Um, all right. So. Uh, we've got about five more minutes. If anybody else has questions, you know, pop them in here. We will absolutely get them answered. The other point I wanted to reinforce was, you know, doing that research. And you really have to, you know, I like the term soft requirements. You have to read between the lines sometimes. And, you know, is this something that they want to get funding on? Is it not? Um I am happy to say, once again, I am one of the judges for the AT&T Unlocked Challenge that's coming up. And I think you have until January. It's for games that are being developed for, you know, with leads who are women or by women or companies owned by women. It's That's the that's the soft spot right there. Uh, and this year they're giving away $100,000. So um, that's going to 
but you do have to be in the U.S. That's the part that's that, that that's the downside. Um, but I mean, any other you know last minute advice? I mean, where do you think you know from the ones that you've done in the past? What are the areas that looking back on you said, okay, I could have done better here, or this part was like dead on? But you know, self critiquing some of the stuff that you've done, where do you see that falling? Um, none of the drafts that I would have been happy with before bringing in someone like Deanna were viable. So it's one of these learning how much my own work can be elevated there was was key. And I've seen a number of peers where, uh, like I've, I've seen some applications where it's like, this is a really cool project. I love what's going on in this project. And then you look at the feedback, it's like, oh, it's just another X game. Well, why? Because you didn't manage to convince the reader that that was actually this cool bit of technology there that just didn't penetrate. Or there's other ones where it's like, I've seen like the stuff coming out of Eastern Canada, especially like these are really, really re good polished pitches. And so then you have someone and it's like word document template number two, and it's got spelling mistakes. No, not, not, not going to fly. So like the, the, if you're going to do this, do it right and really have it polished. And so, yeah, I, the best thing I've, I've ever done in this was bringing in some expert support, like hands down. And then in terms of the big one that we had uh, that, that rejected was just, we didn't land that emotional pitch piece. Um, it's funny. We, had to do the application about a month before we did the five minute pitch to the publishers. And it's like, what a, what a shame because the five minute pitch to the publishers, we understood how to articulate the hook to this concept and really nail that. And it's like, if we had brought that in and layered that into our previous application, I'm sure we would have got it, but because we didn't, it ended up just being too dry and, and too technical. So the uh, yeah, bringing in outside help, don't try and do it yourself. It will not work. And uh, understanding the emotional hook are kind of the key key pieces. It, it, it's another good opportunity to to give a shout out to Liam and his team over on Pitchy Game. Yes, that is a fantastic thing. They don't do it every month like they used to. They do it twice twice a year now. But if you go on Twitter and do hashtag Pitch Your Game, the you, you the whole premise is you have one tweet to pitch your entire game. And you don't get like a document and a, and a whole slide deck. You have to do it in one game. And it's a great exercise. One, it gives you great visibility because I think they had like over a thousand pitches. They're going to announce their winner in a couple of days. But it's really that exercise of making sure that you understand what makes your game stand out, why your project is going to be successful. Because at the end of the day, at least from a publisher standpoint, the, uh, the number one question they won't answer is, if we fund this, are you actually going to finish the game and ship it? Because if you don't, none of the profitability marketing matters because it, it's not going it's not going to get out there. So it's it's always a really fine line. But yeah, that practice your pitch. Make sure you stand out. For God's sakes, don't do another Metroidvania game with a protagonist who's a woman with wrong, long red hair and a sword. I mean, that's like a running joke in some of the scouting you know, groups that we're in because there's nothing new there. It's, it doesn't stand out. So. Yeah, Make, Making that thing that stands out like and, and that pitch will get you in the door. So it's like, here's this cool idea. It's something you've never seen before and looks like it has traction. That'll get you in the door and then demonstrate that. And here's how we will spend that money responsibly. And this team will achieve that and we will be on time and on budget. So both of those are, are needed because if you don't have that good idea, you're not getting that initial contact. But then if they, they go, we love the idea and wow, these guys are just a chaotic mess and don't know how to build a game. You're not going to get that funding either. <laughs> Come on, Andrew. Is anybody ever really on time and on budget in this industry? You know, it's, it's like everything changes so much. I had a boss that used to guarantee that all the time. And I'm like, what game are you looking at? Because nothing here is going to be on time and on budget because everything's changed, you know, and iterated the, the entire process. Anyway, hey, my, my side is always on time and on budget because the money runs out. And if we don't finish it, <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't get done, then we don't get the budget. 
So there, there you go. So then, then it's just okay. We got to cut. Uh, let's start. Uh, let's start cutting. Uh, All righty. All right. So we are out of time. Andrew, are you on the Discord server? I don't know. If I, I am. Uh, ACZV3, uh, number 1898. Uh, feel free to reach out. Um, also connected via only by midnight Twitter or email. Happy to talk. Well, we've got a post-session chat channel in there. So if anyone's got questions that we didn't get to jump in there, I'm going to step away, put Indy back in charge, and we've got Sarah Spears coming up. She is the producer on PUBG, and she's going to be talking about all the, all the stuff you need to know there. Anyway, all right. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.